plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, happy, happy, happy St. Patrick's Day. Are you wearing green? I hope so. Otherwise, those little leprechauns are going to come and pinch you. Welcome, Power Partners. It's our informational playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be The Star You Are Charity. I am Cynthia Bryan, and we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And uh, we have a really fun show for you today. We're going to be talking a lot about St. Patrick and St. Patrick's Day. It's going to be a celebration. So the miracle moment for today is an Irish blessing from Be The Star You Are. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this is the blessing. May your thoughts be as glad as the shamrocks. May your heart be as light as a song. May each day bring you bright, happy hours that stay with you all the year long. So uh, in segment two, we're actually going to go into the garden where I have been working literally every day. Shamrocks, spring and sweet peas. It's almost uh, almost spring, a couple days away. And gardening is on all of our minds. So we're going to dig into the moist soil to discuss what's new and exciting for the season. Now, remember that leprechauns and fairies might be lurking in their little mini houses because it's really a magical time of year in nature. In segment three, we're talking about the COVID-19 vaccine of Moderna or Pfizer. Uh, and the second one, you it's really imperative to get the second one for maximum protection if you want to get to 95%. But there are a few things that you may want to know about getting your vaccine. But right now, I am going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day and give you just a little bit of history and background. I mean, while St. Patrick's Day has been celebrated in Ireland for more than a thousand years, it was actually Irish immigrants living in the United States who over time transformed the day into the lively celebration of all things that are Irish that we've come to know and love. I mean, everybody is Irish today on March 17th, right? The traditions of St. Patrick's Day in America are very well known. We wear grain, we attend parades. Well, maybe not attending parades this year so much, (laughs) but we eat corned beef and cabbage. And it turns out that a lot of the things that Americans consider St. Patrick's Day traditions actually originated here in the United States. And these include the parades, corned beef, and yes, probably green beer as well. So the Feast of St. Patrick, which is today, March 17th, he is known as the patron saint of Ireland. And he was actually born in Roman Britain in the late 4th century. He was kidnapped at the age of 16 and taken to Ireland as a slave. And somehow he escaped, but he returned back to Ireland in 432 to convert the Irish to Christianity. And by the time of his death, 
his death was actually March 17th, 461. So it's not the date of his birth. It's the date of his death. He had established monasteries, churches, and schools. And all of these legends grew up around him. For example, the one that I always heard, and I'll talk more about later, is how he drove all the snakes out of Ireland. And then he used the shamrock to explain the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because the shamrock has these three petals on one stem. And then Ireland came to celebrate his day with religious services and feats, and it is celebrated every March 17th. But it was the emigrants, particularly the emigrants to the United States, who transformed St. Patrick's Day into a largely secular holiday of parties, celebration, and all things Irish. Cities with large numbers of Irish immigrants who often wielded political power staged the most extensive celebrations, which included these elaborate parades. I mean, Boston held its first St. Patrick's Day parade in 1737, and then New York followed in 1762. And since 1962... Chicago has colored its river green to mark the holiday, although we should know that blue was the original color associated with St. Patrick, but now green has commonly connected with the Emerald Isle and with Ireland. Now, Irish and non-Irish alike participate in wearing of the green, sporting an item of green clothing or a shamrock, which um, is the actual, the shamrock is the actual national Irish plant and people usually put it in their lapel like right now I am wearing shamrock earrings and I have a necklace on that has a uh, the Irish the Irish coat of arms on it now corned beef and cabbage are associated with the holiday and even beer dyed green to celebrate the day but uh, although some of these practices were eventually adopted by the Irish themselves they actually did it really for the benefit of the tourists. Now, leprechauns, I love leprechauns. They were first written about in old Irish fables. So it makes sense that they would be associated with a holiday that is dedicated to Irish culture. Now, if you're not familiar with the legend of the leprechaun, it goes something like this. Leprechauns were these small pint-sized men who worked as shoemakers, and they hid gold coins in pots at the end of rainbows. That's why you always heard the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That was put there by leprechauns. Now, the legend has it that these tiny creatures were so hard to catch because they were so small. But if you were able to catch one, you would be granted three wishes by the leprechaun in exchange for setting him free. And I wonder if one of those wishes would always be, you know, bring me to your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But because of these old fables, leprechauns have been associated with Irish culture for centuries, likely even further back than the original St. Patrick's Day. But they actually didn't become tied with the holiday until more recently. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but this was one of my favorite uh, movies as a little girl, and it, um, it scared me a lot, but I always thought about, uh, thought about leprechauns. So it was Walt Disney released a film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People, and it was about this old Irish man and his experiences with these magical leprechauns. There were also these really scary banshees in it. 
Well, and the movie was actually based in Ireland, but the audience was mostly American. And because leprechauns were already so heavily associated with Irish culture, and because the movie was released in, um, you know, in the mid, I think it was around 1959, 1960, somewhere around there, around the same time of St. Patrick's Day and celebrations were becoming popular in the United States, these mythical creatures became the symbol of the holiday. Now, according to that folklore, if you're wondering why you're going to get pinched on St. Patrick's Day for not wearing green, it's because by wearing green, it makes you invisible to leprechauns because they wear a lot of green. And leprechauns like to pinch people because um, if they can see you. And they, why do they pinch people? Just because they can. And so the tradition of pinching people who don't wear green on St. Patrick's Day is supposed to be a reminder that at any time, a leprechaun could appear and wreak havoc on you. Now, what is lesser known, however, is how did corned beef become the centerpiece of St. Patty's Day feast? Now, I have many, many friends in Ireland. I have a pen pal from Ireland, and um, I've been to Ireland many, many times. In fact, I'm, a, I'm an adopted daughter of Ireland, and I actually have the key to the city of Limerick because I've given speeches there and was greeted by the mayor and put on television and all that stuff. So I, I absolutely love Ireland. But my pen pal wrote to me that today she was preparing her traditional cabbage and bacon. So what? Why? How? Do, why do we think of it as corned beef? So in Ireland, beef was a meat that was reserved for the wealthy, and actually, most beef that was in Ireland was exported to England. And then in 1845, there was that horrible Irish potato famine. It was also called the Great Hunger. And um, there was a fungus-like organism that infested the potato fields, and it spread rapidly throughout Ireland. And in fact, the infestation ruined up to one half of the potato crop that year and three quarters of the crop over the next seven years. And that potato blight caused the mice, the mass migration of the Irish to the shores of America because people were starving. And in this new American home, corned beef was readily available to the Irish immigrants and it was affordable. So they had... Most of the Irish immigrants had never had any beef. They were deprived of beef because it was so expensive. And then they arrive in America, and there's this salted beef that the Irish were actually salting by hand. And the migrants were able to purchase it because they could afford it. And although the the kosher cut, because corned beef is supposed to be a a kosher cut, was a little bit different from the beef of their great-grandparents, the meal became just a comfort for the newly minted Americans. And corned beef has now become synonymous with St. Patrick's Day. So it really, it's very interesting. But in Ireland, they don't eat corned beef. They have bacon and cabbage. So... One could argue that the modern way of celebrating St. Patrick's Day is purely Irish-American or American-Irish, however you want to say it. The holiday was originally religious and very reflective and celebrated by sharing cultural lore and honoring St. Patrick. 
However, there are still so many similarities between the historic celebrations of honoring the saint and our traditions today. So observing the old ways in remembrance of their homeland helped unite the scattered Irish migrants. So as they did in Ireland, Irish Americans carried over the tradition of wearing shamrocks and enjoying Irish libations, such as a good Guinness and an Irish whiskey. (laughs) And today, as in the days of old, you can cook up some soda bread, some cabbage, add your corned beef or bacon, and raise a toast to St. Patrick, because today we are all Irish. (laughs) So, Erngebrach, or Ireland forever. So I'm hoping that you will be able to celebrate a very fun St. Patrick's Day, that you are wearing green, and that you will do an Irish dance. And I want to give you just a little aside. As a child, I was part of an Irish dance troupe that we performed all over California. And I I absolutely loved it doing the Irish jigs. And I remember the Irish washerwoman. And it was just, I didn't know much about Ireland, but I was being taught by the Irish. And so I, got, I was able to dance in this Irish troupe. And I still have my Irish costume and the sash that goes with it. And it is so tiny, and I look at it, and I think, wow. <laughs> but it was, it was just really fun. So I feel a, I feel a big kinship with uh, the Irish, although I do not have any Irish with me. And today, I am celebrating St. Patrick's Day for the first time in having not seen my family for um, since actually... Christmas of 2019, because of the pandemic, I was able to fly to Southern California to be with my daughter and her husband. And her husband is actually named Brian as well, um, after Brian the who was an Irish king. And so we are celebrating St. Patrick's Day together, and he is currently wearing his Irish kilt and a great big Irish hat. So we are all in green. The corned beef and cabbage and potatoes are on the stovetop. Um, They've been cooking since early morning, and it smells absolutely delicious. And after the show, I plan on having a Guinness, and we'll probably make it green. And then I will be doing my Irish jig for everyone, because I still remember it. So I hope that you are celebrating like I am, and I am so happy to be with family um, just, again, because of the pandemic, not being able to hug my daughter or her husband for over a year has been just very challenging, and so today I am doing it. And um, we'll talk about that a little bit more in segment three, but when we come back, It will still be top of the morning to you. We're going to go in to the March Garden, and we'll be talking about shamrocks and um, oxalis and more things. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I will be back with more of Ireland, Irish, and St. Patrick's Day. So please don't go away. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out. And we're back. And during the break, Josh, my engineer, we're chatting and talking about celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And I just have to share the recipe that his mom does for her corned beef and cabbage because it really sounds like such a great combo to take the real Irish way of doing it as well as mixing it up with the American. What she does is she does her bacon first. She cooks her bacon. And then, she, if I got this right, I have Josh jump in here if I don't have it right. Then she, you cook the um, corned beef in with the bacon grease. Did I get that right? Or with the bacon. And, and then, on top of that, uh, you put your cabbage into the bacon grease so it gets all those wonderful flavors. And then you can mix everything up. But doesn't that sound good? And it's true. Uh, when we talk about Irish bacon and American bacon, it's a little bit different. Irish bacon is more like a Canadian ham that sizzles like our American bacon. So it has kind of the flavor of our bacon, but it's a thick piece. So very, very different and interesting. And also the way I cook my corned beef, because I'm Italian, is I start my corned beef um, I have a lot of herbs. I, I put, you know, rosemary, garlic, onions, potatoes. Um, I don't do the cabbage until later. I put oregano, and I don't cook any water. I put a whole bottle of wine, and I cook the corned beef in wine or in peppercorns and all of that. And then at the end, I put Guinness in it and finish cooking it with Guinness and then add the cabbage um, and then usually have Brussels sprouts and stuff. So, I mean, it, it, I got to tell you, it's moist, it's delicious, and it is very fun. So it's kind of an Italian-Irish uh, <laughs> celebration of St. Patrick's Day. But 
We're doing it today. So now I want to go into the garden where I have just come from because I am down here, as I said, with my daughter and her husband. And they just love it when I visit because I go in their garden and I help. So I have been weeding and um, getting their garden all prepared. Um, But I want to go back to Ireland because my first introduction to the Emerald Isles arrived when I was just seven. Now, first grade was the beginning of my education. Since preschool and kindergarten did not exist in our neck of the woods, I lived way out in the country. And um, when it was going to be time for me to go to school, the only option was going to be a um, a one-room schoolhouse that served all grades one to eight. But a new school was being constructed by the Catholic Church that was 12 miles away. And fortunately, it was finished when I was seven and I was starting first grade. So young teachers that were dressed from head to toe in black and white collars, who I had no idea what they, who they were, or if what who they were they were from we didn't know if they were male or female or aliens what but they arrived from this far away land called Ireland and these exotic nuns told the most marvelous tales of a land where mischievous little people known as leprechauns lived in these tiny houses that had doors and trees and they worked as shoemakers and they hid their gold their gold at the in pots at the end of the rainbow and my first grade teacher we didn't know who, we, again, we didn't know what she was. And she told us, because they had all their hair was completely covered um, in their habits, their nuns' habits. And so we asked, do you have hair? She said, oh, yes, I have green on one side and pink on the other. And, of course, in those days, people weren't dyeing their hair pink and green. And we just thought the, the, they must be aliens. Uh, we didn't really know. But she also said she had leprechauns that lived in her pocket and that we had to be very good children. Otherwise, these leprechauns would come out and play tricks on us. So in Ireland, there were these magical green shamrocks that blanketed the fields and dales that were used by the legendary St. Patrick in the 4th century. And as I said earlier, he explained the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost um, to those he wanted to convert to Christianity. Now, for me, what I loved about the tales that they would tell us of St. Patrick was the fact that he drove out all the snakes. Rattlesnakes were everywhere on our ranch. So I thought that being able to run barefoot through a field of clover surrounded by, you know, uh, by these uh, spectacular green hills, it sounded spectacular, it sounded just wonderful. So by the age of nine, letters were flying across the pond. I had a pen pal in Dublin. And finally, when I was 18, I was able to visit her in this mythical landscape. And it became really an adopted homeland for me. And I became an adopted California Irish girl. (laughs) And since then, I've spent many, many days traversing the island, soaking up the hospitality of the people and the beauty of the stones, the seascapes, the landscapes, the cottages, and the shamrocks. And most charming are these tiny little doors that are built at the base of trees where the leprechauns live. Many households actually build tiny little houses that they put in their garden to make sure that the fairies come out and take care of the garden at nighttime. Now, 
loving Ireland as I do as an you know as an honorary Irish woman, I do grow shamrocks in my garden, and my shamrocks are in the colors of pink and yellow, and there are over five hundred species of oxalis. It's known as sorrel or shamrock. Now, many people consider them a weed because they really do multiply. And they have like a little bulb at the end of it. And if you don't contain them, they could take over your garden. But I'm okay with it. I think they're really pretty. And then when they die back and turn yellow, I just chop them down. But because I love the Irish lore, I love spreading shamrocks. Now, in March, they sprout these mounds of beautiful green clover-shaped leaves with flowers that open at the top of the morning and they close at the end of the day. And I started my collection by growing shamrocks indoors in a pot and then I eventually moved the plants outdoors. When that foliage does turn yellow and begins to die, I just cut the leaves and then I let the plants sleep and rest, right? So then next season, which is now spring, the shamrocks burst forth again These tiny bulbs or tubers can be easily moved or transplanted elsewhere. Or if you don't want them, you can just pull them out and put them in your green bin. But be aware, I do want to say, be aware that shamrocks can become invasive. If you have a small yard, it's probably best to keep them in a container because otherwise you'll you'll just have these clover everywhere. And if you want to really see what shamrocks look like, please uh, go to my website at CynthiaBryan.com and you can read the garden article that I just wrote about Ireland called Top of the Morning or you can um, read the blog um, and you'll see some photos there of shamrocks. So the other thing that you can do with shamrocks is you can designate one area of your garden just for the shamrocks. And that way you just, you know, that you won't um, allow them to escape. So again, on March 17th, which is today, when we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, you may want to pick up a pot of shamrocks and put it on your table before you serve your corned beef and cabbage. I mean, it may not bring you a pot of gold, But shamrocks are a reminder that once we can travel again, visiting the land of leprechauns is at the end of the rainbow. And I definitely recommend a visit to Ireland. It is definitely a land of green, green, beautiful countryside, really lovely gardens, lots of flowers. Dublin, when I was there last year, I just couldn't believe the hanging baskets of gorgeous, gorgeous petunias and all different kinds of flowers that were hanging in um, just uh, from street on the streets, you know, from like the street lamps and things. Of course, if you go to Dublin, you're definitely going to go to the old quarter and you're going to hit all the pubs and you're going to have all all you can taste can taste the um, the Irish. Guinness, which um, everyone everyone drinks there. And if you do go, I highly recommend that you vin- visit the Guinness uh, factory. They have a fantastic, fantastic tour that at the end of it, they give you Guinness samplings of many, many different 
kinds of Guinness, and you really can taste the difference. And I have to say, here in America, I have never liked Guinness. I never have liked it. You go to Ireland, it's a completely different taste. And so when I was on the table, and it's delicious over there, so good. Uh, when And I asked the tour guide, why is that? And it's because of storage, is that um, in Ireland, the pubs go through so much Guinness that basically by the time it's brewed and sent to the to the pubs, they go through an entire shipment almost every day. So people do drink a lot of Guinness at the pubs in Ireland, whereas in America, that people aren't drinking as much Guinness. Maybe it's because we have so many different microbrews or, you know, people are drinking Coors or one of the lights or whatever they're drinking. But the, the Guinness might sit in the tank for a few days. And so it gets flatter. So it loses that, you know, really robust flavor. So I do recommend if you are going out tonight to celebrate, if you can go to an Irish pub or an Irish restaurant, or, um, and that's, I don't know if the state you're in, you're going to be able to go out. Um, but if you're in a state that's open and you can go out, choose something that is truly Irish and then pick up a Guinness or pick up Guinness. The, all of the liquor stores are always open. So pick up a Guinness and, um, you can turn it green. So back to the garden, I want to, um, to go and tell you about doing organic and safe garden practices because sometimes people, when I just give a tip, they mistakenly assume that I'm, you know, that I'm just encouraging the use of any kind of fertilizer, et cetera. But I want you to know that my, my goal always is to encourage the use of organic and safe garden practices for feeding, for fertilizing, spraying, eliminating pests. Because there are always ways to create a beautiful garden without the use of toxic chemicals, insecticides, herbicides, or pesticides. So keeping our children, our pets, and our wildlife safe and healthy is truly of the utmost importance. And even if I don't specifically um, give you an organic method when I'm talking here to you on the radio, please always use eco-friendly products as much as you can and by doing so we will also be keeping our gardens healthy our families healthy and we can also heal the planet so snails and slugs we we, everybody wants to eliminate them from their garden and so I want to give you a non-toxic way to do it Uh, something that is non-toxic to children chickens and other pets are two brands called Sluggo and Natria. Now, they have, they're an organic bait. They contain iron phosphate, which naturally occurs in soil. So the non-ingested bait degrades and becomes part of the soil, but it also kills the slugs and snails. Now, other ways to purge snails and slugs can include the following. You can hand pick them. I often just go out at night with a flashlight and a bucket. And if you have chickens, ducks, or geese, as I do, they will feast on this escort go. Otherwise, at the risk of sounding cruel, you have to kill them. And what I designed years ago when my kids were young is a dance. We call it the snail stomp. We put on boots and we go out at night with a five-gallon bucket and, um, and a flashlight 
And usually the snails are out in mass at that time, especially if it's been a rainy time. And we just dance around. Then we scoot them up with a shovel, put them in the buckets, and we haul them on up to our um, to our barnyard where the chickens, the ducks, and the geese feast on them. Now, <laughs> one year we did that, and we had there were so many snails; it was just crazy. And I think we each had a five-gallon bucket full, if you can imagine. And we dumped them all out, but not all of them, not all of them had um, been snail stomped. And I'll never forget my son screaming out mom they're they're growing back to the garden and so it was crazy here we were at nighttime in the barnyard with all the animals and we're all just dancing around because what happened is the ducks the geese the chickens they filled up and then they went back to roost and so then the snails that were still alive started coming back down to the garden so um, we had to finish the dance now another way that you can get rid of your snails is you can drown them in a bucket of water if you don't want to dance on them. Um, A second way is to trap them. Snails like to hide in damp, dark refuges under like flower pots, boards, or plants. And then you can maybe gather them in the morning after they've gone out on their nightly raid. So when they're hiding during the day, that's when you would gather them. So different than the snail stomp or hand picking them when you would go at nighttime. Another one is beer. So if you have any of that leftover Guinness, here you go. Snails are attracted to the fermenting yeast of beers. So if you put out um, saucers or shallow bowls of beer, and it can be stale beer, it doesn't matter. If you have open cans or bottles of beer, on the wall <laughs> that you don't want to drink or that are left over from a party, put them outside. And what will happen is the snails just, they're attracted to it. They fall into the bowl it, and they drown. They aren't getting drunk. I used to think when I was a kid and we used to do this, I used to think that we had drunk snails. And, but basically, they're just drowning in the beer. Another way to get rid of snails are with copper bands or barriers. So you can have copper strands or or, uh, strips. And this is probably the most effective barrier to keeping snails and slugs out of pots and plants. But it is work intensive and it's more expensive. But it is incredibly useful around trees. If you put a band of copper, it'll keep the snails from climbing the trees and eating the leaves. Now, you might have heard of decollate snails. These are predatory snails. They are used in different parts of the world, and they're used in Southern California only to control young and small brown snails in citrus groves. However, where I am in Northern California, they cannot be used because they would endanger other mollusk species. So if you're thinking of trying to do a biological treatment by getting other snails to eat these snails, you really have to check with um with like your UC, with your extension service or your farm service because they may not be allowed. Um, once you have killed your snails, you can either add them to your compost pile where their moist bodies, they will decompose quickly and the shells take a little bit longer, but all of it will add nutrients as they compost. Another thing to do this month is to upgrade your outdoor living to be a place that encourages 
peacefulness and solitude. Make sure to create an area where you can work outside and listen to the sounds of nature, especially if you're still in quarantine or you're doing homeschooling. It's kind of nice to be able to do something outside. Now, National Farm Workers Awareness Week is coming up March 25th through the 31st. It's next week. So you might want to um, support National Farm Workers by purchasing produce from socially responsible vendors. Another good idea is to try a solar-powered sonic mold deterrent, which emits vibrations through the ground to keep those velvety creatures at bay. Now, moles do produce unsightly molehills, and they, they undermine plants with their shallow tunnels, which can cause roots to dry out, but they're actually not eating your plant. So they are doing something positive, though, because they feed on slugs. So that's another way is you can just let the moles take care of it. Make sure to store your garbage cans out of reach of scavengers. Uh, don't feed wildlife. Skunks, raccoons, and coyotes, uh, they have become really frequent neighborhood visitors, and they can be dangerous. It's time to feed your lawns. Healthy soil grows healthy grass. So top your lawn with a half to a quarter inch of compost or use a slow-release organic fertilizer that disseminates their nutrients through animal, plant, and mineral matter, and it's best to fertilize before rainfall. And this is also a good time to turn on your lawn sprinklers just once or twice to check the heads. I know mine, I turned on my uh, water, and they've all been covered by the new growing grass, and it took me a couple of hours to find the sprinkler heads. So by checking on them as your grass is growing, you can uh, prevent that. And then um, a couple of, of really simple things to destroy weeds and poison oak without toxic chemicals. Of course, you can dig them out, as I'm doing right now at my own house and at my daughter's. But if you have weeds in sidewalk cracks or borders or areas where lawns, flowers, and other plants aren't going to be affected, you could mix a tablespoon of Dawn dishwashing detergent, a cup of salt, and a gallon of regular white vinegar in a pail. Pour into a spray bottle or you know, a spray um, pump can. Spray on the weeds on a sunny day because it's the sunlight that works the magic. But be careful where you spray because this solution is harmful to grass and to plants, but it will kill your weeds. Now, if you have poison oak as I do or super tough weeds, when I have to get the poison oak, I buy a gallon of this 30% white vinegar. It's a little bit expensive. It's about $27 a gallon, but, but you know, it does the trick. You put it in a spray tank undiluted, and you can spray your poison oak as it emerges and springs. Again, do it on a warm, sunny day. It's really potent, but it will kill everything it touches. So be careful. Make sure to use it safely. And just so you know, it's an effective alternative to using Roundup uh, for a similar amount of money. So it's also useful for other things like cleaning your brick or your stone patios, driveways, greenhouses, hothouses, and it will also dissolve calcium, mineral, and lime buildup. And spring is around the corner. Spring for spring on March 20th. Enjoy the rebirth of our gardens. Start digging deeper. It's going to be the vernal equinox. So happy gardening, happy growing, happy spring, happy St. Patrick's Day. And when we come back from break, 
we're going to be talking about some tips for getting your second vaccine. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And I am coming to you live, actually, from the wine country of Temecula, California. I'll be back in a bit. Don't go away. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556, bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, this is Cynthia Bryan, and I am back from break. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network, and I am coming to you live from the wine country of Temecula, California. So in this segment, I want to talk about getting your second vaccine. If you've already received your first dose of a two-dose COVID-19 vaccine, that would either be Moderna or Pfizer. Congratulations! You are well on your way to being protected from the coronavirus. But to be fully um, immunized is critical to get that second shot. Now, I told you that I'm coming to you from Temecula, and I also told you that this is the first time I've been on an airplane Um, in over a year, I think it's almost a year and a half, and it's the first time that I'm visiting my family in well over a year, and the only reason I'm able to do that is because I was able to get the vaccine. Now, if you had asked me back in September, was I going to get the vaccine, I probably, I was saying, I don't know, I'm not sure, maybe not, and i tell you one thing I definitely was not going to get the vaccine if any politician from any party I don't care was saying to get the vaccine the only person I wanted to listen to was the science Dr. Fauci and my personal physician but um, now that the science is showing the vaccines are safe and that they're effective 
And um, Fauci talks about it. My doctors, all the doctors I know are saying, yes, 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 get the vaccine. I was so happy to get the vaccine. And I just want to encourage other people because there's no way I would have gotten on a plane otherwise. Even though I still wore a mask, I still wore a shield, I still wore latex gloves, I still brought my wipes. I flew Southwest. It was very safe and they were very clean and the plane was only half full. But it was really, it's not comfortable wearing a mask for so long. I, I, I mean, and not being able to take it down to breathe. When you think about being at the airport for an hour and a half beforehand and then um, the flight for an hour and a half and then being at the airport, you know, another 45 minutes. I mean, it's a long time to be wearing a mask without having any fresh air. And me being the gardener I am, I am always in the fresh air. So it was still it was still very trying, but I felt safe. So I want to encourage you to get your vaccine. And now the Johnson & Johnson singular vaccine is out. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard about um, the AstraZeneca in Europe that there have been a few uh, blood clots with it, but it was out of ten- tens of thousands of people, and they have determined it is safe. So, you know, don't take my word for it. Talk to your physician. But I'll, until we get to 90% of everybody vaccinated, um, we're not going to be able to get back to total real life. I mean, some states, probably like Texas, Arizona, and Florida, are reopening, but we're going to see what happens after spring break, and that's kind of scary. So back to getting your second vaccine. Across the country, a lot of people are running into snafus as they try to get their second dose because, you know, the storms have shut down clinics in some areas. Others have closed because they temporarily ran out of vaccine. And then there's always these scattered reports of global glitches. So, but if you have had an appointment canceled, don't wait for someone to call you. Be proactive about rescheduling your second shot. It's so important. Um, the uh, Dr. Uh, William Schaffner, who is from the infectious disease specialist at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville and medical director of the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases, says be proactive. We've told everyone these vaccines are 95% effective. And that is after you have two doses of Moderna and Pfizer, um, which is the Pfizer-BioNTech They're currently in use in the U.S., but they're only 95% effective if you get that second dose. So don't just get the first dose. You've got to get the second dose. And I know every area is different, and some places it's easier to get the vaccine. Some places are still, you have to be a certain age. In the county where I am, which has been so terrific, is basically anybody who signs up can get the vaccine now. They have many places, even Walgreens, CVS is giving it. These are pharmacies. Um, uh, Some local doctors are giving it. Some urgent care centers are giving it. Uh, I got it through the county health system. The major hospitals are giving it. But the secret is, is to go online and to sign up to get it. And uh, so it's interesting. Almost everybody that I know now has had the vaccine. So pretty soon after everybody's had their second dose, uh, people will be able to gather. So no matter what age they are, 
And so that's very exciting, thinking that, you know, hopefully May, June, July, that everybody who wants to be vaccinated, and truly everybody should be vaccinated, it's like polio. You know, if you didn't get the polio vaccine, I mean, polio was just a terrible, terrible disease, or smallpox. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. But um, let's talk about the side effects of getting the second dose, okay? So many people who had little or no reaction to the first vaccine are reporting that the second dose really can pack a punch. And it surprises even those who study vaccines for a living. Some people had mild symptoms after a first dose or no symptoms at all. I had none. My arm wasn't even sore. But the second dose can leave you shaking, literally, with chills and temperatures of 101 and aches and pains. So um, what, what is some people are, being, are recommending, and first, again, I want to emphasize, talk to your doctor. Don't just take what I'm saying. Make sure you talk to your doctor. Everybody's different. But by taking a Tylenol and going to bed and waking up the next morning 90% improved, and by midday being back to normal, this is what Dr. Greg Poland, who is an infectious disease expert at the Mayo Clinic, said happened to him. It's not an indication of something going wrong. It's an indication if you get a side effect of a very vigorous immune response. There is no live virus in the vaccine. I have to say that again. There's no live virus. So you, there's no way you can get COVID-19 from being vaccinated. Participants in clinical trials of both vaccines had experiences similar to what Dr. Uh, Poland had. In Pfizer's clinical trial, for example, 31% of participants, 18 to 55, reported a fever after the second dose compared to only 8% after the first dose. Now, uh, fatigue, chills, headache, muscle, joint pain were also most common after the second injection for both vaccines. Now, the good news is older adults were less likely to experience vaccine reactions, according to the data. Among those age 50 and over, In the Pfizer trial, 22% experienced a fever after the second dose, and 3% had a temperature after the first dose. So um, it's recommended not to make any big plans for the day after your scheduled vaccine appointment. You should avoid taking any pain relievers before your shot. This is according to the Centers for Disease Control. If you've been hearing stories about the second dose side effects, you might be tempted to take a pain reliever first. But they say pain relievers taken preemptively ahead of a shot could dampen the effectiveness of the vaccine. And that is from the CDC. However, it's okay to take Tylenol or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like um, Advil or Motrin after your vaccine to treat any side effects such as pain, fever, chills, or headache. Now, the timing between doses doesn't have to be exact. Pfizer says 21 days. Moderna says 28 days. But if you can get an appointment for the exact day, is really great. And if you have to miss your scheduled appointment, there's a little bit of wiggle room, but not too much. Your immune system will respond perfectly well if you take a little bit more time. Now, your second dose does need to be from the same manufacturer as the first. And a rash at the injection site is not a reason to skip your second 
dose. So a small uh, number of people developed a rash. Um, you should temporarily avoid all other vaccines. So it might be time for your shingles or your, um, your uh, TB shot, but hold off between COVID-19 vaccine doses. There's no data on the efficacy or the safety. And remember that full immunity is not immediate. It could probably take up to um, a month to have immunity. So just be careful. And you're still going to need to wear a mask. So no matter what, even though like I got vaccinated, experts are, debate, are divided whether it's okay to hug your grandchild or gather socially with other vaccinated people. But, um, but a lot of the research is saying vaccinated people can get together. That's why I'm here. My, my daughter and her husband are vaccinated as well. So I'm able to get together, but we still wear a mask and practice social distancing when in public. So please get vaccinated. The life you save could be your own, as well as your family, your friends, your colleagues, and we can get back to living our life and traveling the world and going to Ireland. So thanks for being great listeners. Make sure you're tuned here to Star Style every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. I am Cynthia Bryan. You can change your life, make your dreams come true, and celebrate with me every week. For more information about me, please visit CynthiaBryan.com. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are, you can go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse and motivate you so see beyond your physical being know you're already the star you've dreamed of becoming cherish the past dream of the future and celebrate every moment of your life and if you want to read any of my experiences happening in ireland or about my pen pals or teachers or any of that pick up a copy of be the star you are 99 gifts for living loving laughing and learning to make a difference and also be the star you are for teens, for some of my Irish friends have contributed stories. They're both available at CynthiaBryan.com. So until next week, when we will celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. And Erin Gobra. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Enjoy your corned beef and cabbage and raise a glass of Guinness. Thanks for joining me. Celebrate. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be 
For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.